Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. And if you know your Bible very well, you know that this is the beginning of the story of Abraham. Now he's going to be called Abram. And God's going to change his name to Abraham later on. But he starts out being called out as Abram. And you notice through the Bible that these men like uh, Saul had his name changed to Paul. You know, uh, Simon had his name changed to Peter. Uh, Jesus Christ likes to give you a nickname. He likes to give you a nickname. Oh, uh, I'd like to find out the nickname God's given Raymond. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, yeah, I don't know what he'd give you, brother. All right. Codger. I think he calls you the old codger. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Can you repeat that, brother, in church? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the kind of names I call you when we're not at church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. That's what the Lord does. In, in, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And I'm going to go back up and focus that when Abraham was called out, Abram was called out, the Lord told him, Get thee out of thy country. Get thee out of thy country. And this morning, as a, we're about to hit the New Year's and we're about to start a new year. And uh, it's amazing that it's already 2019. This last year just flew by for me. And I, I, I think we could do a lot more as a church. And we could have done a lot more last year. And I want to do as much as we can this year. And I, we need to have a vision in this church, because I don't want us to grow stale. I don't want us to grow to where, you know, it's just the same old thing week in and week out. I want us to have a, a vision of what we need to do. And that's what the Lord was giving Abraham. Abraham had been living with his dad and around his dad for 75 years. Look at verse 4. So Abraham depart, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham or Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. That, 75 years is a long time to live in daddy's basement, not doing much of anything. That's what it sounds like, but that's not what happened. But the, the truth is, I've heard people say that. Uh, ben Shapiro says that Abram was, Abraham was living with his dad in his dad's basement like a lot of uh, teenagers do until you just push him out. But Abram was very successful before he was called by the Lord because he left with a lot of, lot of stuff. But the point was is that Abram was in his comfort zone. Abraham was living in comfort. He was around his family. He was very comfortable. Life was good. He'd been living that way for 75 years. So I'm here to tell you this morning, we need to get out of our comfort zone. Uh, we need to, to step out of our comfort zone. Whatever comfort zone you're in, we need to step out of it. And we need to do more for the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to, this church, we need to step out of our comfort zone. Some of us, and I'm, in, well, I'm, I'm included too, that we're in this comfort zone, and it is very comfortable. And, and we kind of get to, we want to start building a hedge and say, okay, well, here's us and here's the world, and they can all go to hell, and we're going to stay here, and we're just going to serve the Lord here and enjoy each other's fellowship, which we do, and enjoy life, which we do. But that's not what the Lord called us to do. He called us to go out into the world. 
He called us to not, we're not supposed to build a monastery and get up here, up here like monks and just this whole out. We're supposed to go out into the world and tell the world, the lost and dying world of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel. It's preached on the mountaintops. It's preached in the valleys. It should be preached on the radio. It should be preached in the newspaper. It should be preached from the pulpit. It should be preached from your car. It should be preached at work. It should be preached in the grocery stores. We should be out there preaching this. And we got to get out of our comfort zone. And the Lord called Abram and He says, I want to take you, get out from thy kindred, verse 1, and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. And He did. And I will bless thee, and He did. And make thy name great, and He has. And thou shalt be a blessing. And He has been a blessing. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, this goes to the Jew, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's a warning to everybody in here. You don't want to mess with the Jew. You don't want to mess with Israel. You don't want to curse a Jew. You might run to a Jew and he might be. Everything you think a Jew is, but don't curse him. Just bless him because God's got a special blessing on that Jew. And, he, and Abraham's descendants. And you're, you're messing with God when you mess with the Jew. So keep that in mind. But when Abraham did all this and Abraham was called out, it said he departed and he was 75 years old. So verse 4 says he was 75 years old. I'm here to tell you, some of y'all have got some age on you, but that's no excuse. He was 75. Moses was 80 when he did what he did in the land of Egypt. Guys, age has nothing to do with this. It don't matter if you're 8 years old, 18 years old, 80 years old. We all need to be stepping out of our comfort zone that we're living in and get out and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our vision for this church for this year is stepping out and saying, you know what, we're going to step out and do a little bit more. Maybe you've never gone to the uh, nursing home to sing. Come out there and sing with us. Maybe you've never gone to the courthouse and, and held up a sign. Come out there and held a sign up for five minutes. You don't have to be out there for two hours or 30 minutes. Come out there and hold up a sign for five minutes. Uh, there's no excuse. Sister Alice made it out there. She sat out there and she's in a wheelchair and she's sitting out there. She can't move herself. She sat out there and she held a sign. And she's out there for a long time. Way over like an hour, hour and a half. So, and I'm not telling you you have to do that. But I'm saying, wouldn't it be wonderful to just step out of your comfort zone and do some things that maybe you haven't done in the last year and do them for the Lord? Don't do them for the pastor. Don't do them for your church. Do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, you know, you've been so good to me. I'm going to do this not for Brother Keegan, not for anybody else that's watching me. I'm going to do this just for you. This is my love gift to you because you've been so good to me. Amen. Amen. So when you do this kind of stuff, look at verse 5. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, who turns into Sarah, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. So when you get out and start getting out of your comfort zone, there's a good chance that people are going to follow you. And there's a good chance that people are going to follow you and see you as an example, and they're going to want to do what you do. And that's exactly what happens. A lot of times people are, if you step out of your comfort zone, start doing something for the Lord, if, if they see you doing that, they'll say, well, if, if, that old, if that guy can do it or that woman can do it, well, then I can do it too. And that's what happened with Abraham. He took all those people with him. And verse, skip down to verse 9. For time's sake, skip down to verse 9. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. So Abraham started this journey, and he stepped out in faith. And when he stepped out in faith, because the, the Lord hadn't shown him the land, the Lord just said, I'm going to take you to this land. 
The Lord, had, the Lord hadn't shown him anything. The Lord just says, step out by faith. And we're all the children of Abraham in here if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because Abraham believed in God and God counted it unto him for righteousness. You believed in Jesus Christ and it's counted unto you for righteousness. There's nobody underneath here, underneath my voice, that's righteous, that's good, that doesn't sin. But thanks to God through Jesus Christ, you don't sin in God's eyes. You don't, you don't have any right unrighteousness because you have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on you. So Abraham, even though Abraham's going to go out and he's going to make some mistakes, he's going to be lying, he's going to do some things that none of us would be proud of, Abraham's still a friend of God and still God counts him as being righteous. Because why? Because Abraham's walking in faith and he stepped out of his comfort zone in faith. And it said he journeyed. Going on still toward the south. I'm going to preach this morning on your Christian life is a journey. Your Christian life is a journey. Every, uh, during this journey, there's different chapters that happen in your life. And we turn the chapter of life. We're about to turn the chapter of, of, of 2018. That, that's a chapter. That's done. If you had a great year, praise the Lord. But there's a new year coming up. If you had a really awful year, praise the Lord. There's a new life. There's a new year coming up. You get where I'm going with this? That's done. I took, the, I took the 2018 calendar. It's off the wall. It's going in the trash. I've got a 2019 calendar up there. Why is that up there? Because we're moving forward. Amen. We've got a vision. A vision with Jesus Christ glorified and lifted up, and we're going to keep moving forward. It doesn't matter what we did. Last year in this church, we were able to get back on the radio. Praise the Lord. We're able to do more than we've ever done through the newspaper ministry. Praise the Lord. But I'm not going to sit back and, and sit on my laurels. I want us to, do, let's see if we can do a little bit more. Let's see if we can get out of our comfort zone. Because it is a journey. And this Christian life is a journey. And as a church, we've, we're taking this journey together. And we've chosen to come in here and serve the Lord together. So let's get together and let's serve the Lord together and be on this journey together. But I want to preach this morning on your specific Life as a Christian is a journey like Abraham's was a journey. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're on a journey, where are you going? You're on a journey to where? And the Bible tells you in Hebrews chapter 11. You're on a journey, but where are you on a journey to? Amen. You're on a journey to where? Well, well let's, let's look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. We're on a journey, and when you, when you say journey, to me, journey speaks of adventure. It speaks of adventure. It doesn't, a journey, adventure, that doesn't speak of sitting on the couch watching TV all day, or playing video games all day, or playing on your phone all day. A journey, an adventure means cutting off the TV, cutting off the telephone, cutting off the computer, and getting up and going out the house and going somewhere. And doing something. It's a journey. God told Abram, get out of thy father's house. I'm going to show you. So Abraham, when he, when he was uh, uh, told this by God, he had to, by faith, step away from his comfort zone, step away from his father, step away from his loved ones, and step out and get out. He wasn't just going to, God didn't say, I'm going to do all this while you're at your father's house, and I'm going to do, no, Abram, I want you to step out because i got something better for you. And if God's going to have you step out of your comfort zone, Christian, let me tell you something. Every time I've stepped out of my comfort zone, it's been a wonderful time in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had, I have real bad anxiety sometimes. 
And there's, I get anxiety just preaching to you guys. I get scared just preaching funerals. I get scared and I'm fretful and I'm nervous and I'm anxious and I get this anxiety. I don't like people staring at me. I don't like people looking at me and I get this anxiety. But every time I've, I've swallowed that and I said, you know, I know this is what you want me to do, Lord, like Abraham did. And I just take that step out. The Lord's blessed me and I've been so excited and happy in the Lord. So if you're, if you're out here to, this morning and you're like, well, my Christian life is kind of boring. <laughs> Woo. Start doing something for the Lord and ask any of these missionaries on the wall. Your life will no longer be boring. If there's anything that Christian life is, it's not boring if you're serving the Lord. It's exciting to serve the Lord. But if we're on a journey, we're on, where are we on a journey to? Look at verse 8. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, which we just read in Genesis chapter 12, he obeyed, verse 8, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. And let me tell you something, uh, brothers and sisters, when you start journeying with the Lord Jesus Christ, when you start this Christian life, because Abraham's a great type of a person getting saved and getting born again and becoming born again in the family of God, and God said, okay, you were in that family whose father is the devil, but come on out. You're going to come out of that, that family, Abram, uh, brother or sister. Come on out, and we're going to, I'm going to bring you into this family, and I'm going to show you you got another land waiting for you. you got another country waiting for you, but this is a journey. Now, come on out. That speaks to your Christian walk that you, you get saved, and as soon as you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you, starts dwelling in you, and what does He start telling you to do? Get away from the world. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Come on, let's go over here. You don't belong to them anymore. You don't belong in your father's house, Abraham. Come on, I've got something else waiting for you. It's on this other side. Come on, let's do this journey. But he says, not knowing whither he went. That's the scariest part. The Lord doesn't tell us where we're going in this life right here on this earth. And Abraham didn't know either. He didn't know where the Lord was going to do. And if you watch that story, Abram goes here, and then he goes down, and we just read it. He starts going south. He's just, uh, he's just sojourning. He's just on a pilgrim. He's just a pilgrimage. He's just kind of wandering around. We don't know what uh, Abraham didn't know what God had for him. And I'm here to tell you this morning that as a Christian, I can tell you to step out of your comfort zone, but I for sure can't tell you what God's going to do with you. So get ready. I can tell you it's not going to be dull and boring. I'd rather be too busy than bored. That's me. It's not, I've always been that way. I've always just been kind of anxious, wanting to do something, and I, I don't like being bored. I just want to be, I want to be entertained or, or doing something. Or do, I just don't like being bored. I don't like being bored, and you'll never be bored serving the Lord, but I can't promise you what that serving is or what that's going to be. But I'm here to tell you I know how the Holy Spirit works, and he's moving this morning, and he's speaking to people's hearts. Amen. He's getting you ready, because he's ready to do something with you. And it's going, to be a, it's going to be a wonderful thing. Look at verse 9. So Abraham, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Sojourned is just saying he's a temporary stay. He just kind of wandered around. In the land of promise, as in a strange country. You're in a strange country, Christian. This earth is strange to you. This world is strange to you. That's why they don't like you, because you're strange to them. And that's okay. That's all right. The more and more the world gets wicked, the more I like being different than the world. Because the world is making sure that a Christian doesn't feel comfortable in it. And that's good for some of y'all. 
Because some of y'all, including me too, but some of y'all want to be in the world, and they, you want to be a part of the world, and you like the things the world does, but the world's like, you don't belong here, get out of here, we don't want you here. We don't. That's good for you. Because they're right and you're wrong. You shouldn't be over there. You belong over here with the family of God. You don't belong in all that mess that they're doing over there. No, sir, you don't. As in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. They were dwelling in tents his whole life. These were wanderers. They were pilgrims. They just wandered from tent to tent. If you read the... And I encourage you this year to read the book of Genesis in your Bible reading. You got the story, and they're just, they're just tent dwellers. They're like, they're like a lot of Native Americans. They just were in tents, and they just kind of wherever it went, if there was, a, they just, they, there, was a, there was a drought or something, and then they would just wander along. So they were tabernacle dwellers. They were tent dwellers. They're tent dwellers then, mansions later. <laughs> you might be dwelling in a tent today, but it's a mansion later. All right? You might be living in a mansion today, but it's not going to be a mansion later for some people. But if it's a tent today, it's a mansion later for every Christian. Verse 10, here's the answer to that question of where's our journey going to? Verse 10, here it is. For he, talking about Abraham, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Amen. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, you're on a journey looking for a city. Christian, you're on a journey looking for a city. Amen. A heavenly city. This isn't an earthly city. And we're about to get into that, but it's a, it's a city, and we're looking for this city, and we're looking for this city. Look at verse 9. By faith. Look at verse 8. By faith. This whole chapter 11 is about faith. It's the faith chapter. Guys, we're looking for this city by faith. You can't pull this city up on Google Maps. Nobody can give you a map and say, here's how you get to the city. The only way you can get to the city is through this map, which is called the Bible. But nobody can give you a map that's written by man to show you how to get to this city. Amen. And even then, when you look at this thing, you don't know the direction we know, that we know the direction is north, but we don't know the direction of how to get there, how, how we're going to get the transportation there. We, don't, we just know there's a city and we're wandering around looking for it. And that's our journey is for this city. And we're doing it by faith. And it's a heavenly city because it has the foundations whose builder and maker is God. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. So it, what, what uh, Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, is saying is that Sarah had faith, just like Abraham, and she was, she was faithful that God was faithful. She said, God promised me this, and I know he's a faithful God, and he will give me a child even though I'm past age. In verse 12, Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. God took the impossible with Abraham and Sarah. They shouldn't have had a kid. And God took that and made their kids like the sands of the sea. Spiritually speaking, we as Christians, our father is Abraham. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, his great-grand is Abraham. So spiritually speaking, we're as the stars of heaven. Millions and millions and millions of Christians. All because Abraham took that step of faith in Genesis 12. If you can step out of your comfort zone, Christian, 
You're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. You, you ever heard the story of Billy Graham? Billy Graham wasn't saved in some huge revival at some kind of big tabernacle with 5,000 people like Joe Osteen would have. Billy Graham was saved in a little church just like this and the farmers were there and they were all praying for revival and these farmers were praying for revival and there was only one boy that got saved at that revival. Billy Graham. <laughs> and don't you know those farmers left that church kind of like we would and say, well, we had one saved, that, that teenager, Billy, Billy got saved. Maybe, we, Lord, we can do better next time. <laughs> and the Lord says, go and do better, watch this. And that one boy was saved at a little church just like this. And what did he do? He went on to change the world for Jesus Christ. But he had to step out of his comfort zone. You know, uh, Brother Packer, when he was serving over in Korea, he said Billy Graham came through preaching. And he said they would bring him, to, he's preaching to the troops. And he said, I heard Billy Graham's coming. He said, I had to go see Billy Graham. So this is in the 50s. And so uh, Reuben, Brother Packer, he, he runs up there to see Brother, uh, Brother Graham. Billy Graham, he come, they pull him up on this Jeep, the Army Jeep. Billy Graham gets out of this Army Jeep, and, and, and Brother Packer said, I've never seen a more pitiful sight than Billy Graham. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he got off, and his, he had this like, blackish-gray suit on. It was all wrinkled up. It looked like he'd been sleeping in it for three days. He said his hair was all messed up and everything. He got out, and he's trying to comb his hair over. It looked like he hadn't shaved in a couple of days. He had some growth and everything. He said, I, I, he said, I thought, this is Billy Graham? But we all scooted up there, and I wanted to get close up there. He said, but when that man got on the stage, Keegan, he said, when that man got on the stage, he said, the power of God came out of his voice. The power of God came out of his voice. And you could feel the Holy Spirit just... Whoosh. Guys, Billy Graham isn't handsome. Billy Graham isn't the best speaker I've ever seen. It's like they said about Dwight O. Moody. Dwight O. Moody, they were trying to bring Dwight O. Moody in to have a revival. And they wanted to bring Dwight O. Moody in to have a revival. And they said, let's bring in Dwight O. Moody, one of the greatest preachers of all time. And one of the, one of the men stood up and said, Dwight O. Moody... We don't have to have him. He doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. The guy didn't want to have Dwight O. Moody in. And he said, Dwight O. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And another man stood up. He says, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Dwight L. Moody. Amen. What does that mean? He said, yeah. He, Dwight L. Moody doesn't have all of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has all of Dwight L. Moody. That's a man that had totally turned his life over to God and got out of his comfort zone. Billy Graham's a man that turned his whole life over to God and got out of his comfort zone and said, God, it's not much, but I'll give it to you. And God says, that little bit you give, like the little basket the boy brought with a couple of fishes in it, he goes, I'll feed 5,000 with it. Because I'm God. And with God, nothing's impossible. And you might be sitting here this morning like I'm getting old, I'm getting to where I can't get around like I should, or you get, I'm anxious, or I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm just, uh, I, I'm afraid, or whatever might be going through your mind, why don't you just turn it over to the Lord and see what the Lord can do with you? If you realize this preacher right here grew up with a speech impediment, and I, if I ever had to do a school, and they'd make you do book reports at school, I literally would, would stay home. I wouldn't do a book report. 
I, I was so bad at school that they, I got kicked out of school. I dropped out of high school. I was, a, I was a mess. I was terrified to stand in front of people. But there was a, a day in my life, in my Christian life, where I stepped out of my comfort zone. And I said, Lord, and he was dealing with me and dealing with me. He said, okay, Lord, I, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. And I'll never forget, my mom was laying on her deathbed and she was taking her last breath. And I had my mom in my hands and she took her last breath and went on to be with the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And I laid my mom down and I remember walking out and my, I was getting outside and I went outside and it was dark outside and the stars were up in heaven and I could hear my little sister in that back room. She was just crying, don't leave me mama, don't leave me mama, don't leave me mama. And I could hear her in there crying and I remember looking up into the stars at God and I said, God, I give up whatever you want to do, do it with me. I was done. My dad was dead. My mom had just passed away. I had nothing. And I turned to God and said, Lord, I know I'm not much, but just whatever you want to do. I was done. The Lord said, okay. <laughs> and he said, let's do this. And here I am today. This, I'm not nothing special. Y'all know me, I'm not nothing special. But the only thing different than maybe between me and somebody else is I'm willing to let God use me. And I, let, I, I make a fool of myself. I, I, to, I record these sermons. You know, we put them on the radio. I go back and listen to them. I'm misspeaking. I'm stuttering. I'm not, and I'm, I'm just rolling my eyes like, this is so horrible. I mean, the Lord could find a hundred men better than me. And he did. I believe that. I believe there's a hundred men the Lord had lined up to come out here. A hundred of them. That were better than me, better Christians than me, spoke better than me, could give a better sermon. Could, but they didn't take the call. They said, I, I got something better to do. And I'm the only one stupid enough to say, okay, Lord. <laughs> and the Lord says, well, it's not much, but I'll, I'll show you what I can do with a couple of fishes and, and a loaf of bread. Amen. Amen. Guys, I can't encourage you enough this year. Just take one little step for the Lord and let Him do the rest. Let Him do the rest. Because look at verse 13. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How many Christians do we know who died in faith, having faith that they were going to heaven? They were going to a heavenly city. And that's what he's saying there in verse, uh, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Not having, how many Christians do we know died not having seen heaven with their own eyes? But they died and took their last breath knowing that there was a heaven waiting on them. That's what that says. But, look, but having seen them afar off, they might not have seen heaven with their own eyes in this life, but they'd seen it afar off. They'd seen it with the spiritual eyes. They'd sang praises to God and the Holy Spirit would speak to their heart and say, that's true, that's true, that's true. Man, the witness that the Holy Spirit gives us when we're singing songs and preachers are preaching about heaven, we're singing songs about heaven, it's amazing the Holy Spirit will give you a testimony that you'll feel it in you and you'll say, that's true. You, it'll feel so good. Man, I'm one, one time I was uh, praying outside, my, and this is at work, and I mean, the, the last place I thought this would ever happen to me, I'm praying outside of work, and I was just sitting in my car, and it's hot outside, and I had the door open, and it's after lunch, and it, it, it's my lunch break, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'd been praying a little bit. I don't remember about what. 
And like a whiff of aroma, this feeling came into me, and I can only describe it as God showing me what heaven was going to be. Just, I mean, just for a second or two, brothers and sisters, it just came into me, and I could, I could feel this warmth and this love and this peace and this greatness, and I wanted to have it, and it just kind of like an aroma. It came in, and it just kind of floated away. And I was like, oh, and I praise God all day for two seconds of that. Two seconds of a taste of it, and I praise God all day long. It was just a little taste. Who, when they were, they died in faith, they were persuaded it was true. How many Christians we know died in faith, but they were persuaded that they hadn't seen it, but they believed in it, and they were persuaded it was true. Sister Winnie Stevens. Amen by that. That's encouraging to me. And look at this. They've seen it afar off and were persuaded of them. And look, and embraced them. And they embraced the idea of heaven. Man, if there's anything a Christian should do is embrace the idea that there's heaven waiting on them. <laughs> You're on a journey to a city, brothers and sisters. You've got to embrace that idea. No matter how bad it gets down here, no matter how much suffering you have down here, it's getting better right up there. And I know I'm journeying down here, but I haven't seen it yet with my own eyes. But I know and I'm persuaded it's true. And I'm embracing the idea. And look, it says they embraced them and look and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They confessed that that's where they were going. There's nothing, there's nothing more amazing than to see a person who's passing away, knowing they're dying, talk about going to heaven. Nothing. I mean, it's, it's, it's very startling. When, uh, when Trevor was, let, we're sitting on his couch, and we're sitting on his bed, actually, and we're talking, and he was in his last days before he passed away and went on to heaven, he was talking about heaven. And he said, I want to know more about heaven. Show me more about heaven. I want to know more about what I'm about to see. That's an 18-year-old boy with the faith of an 80-year-old. That boy talking about heaven and wanting to see by heaven, and he said, I'm not worried about dying, Keegan. He said, I'm worried about my friends and leaving them behind. <laughs> what are they going to do? I, they'll be all right. <laughs> I think you're going to be a lot better off than they are. And he knew that. He said, I'm going to be all right, but what about them? Well, why shouldn't we worry about them? Because that's where they're going to. Amen. Why worry about them? That's where they're going to be too. Don't worry about them. They're going there too. They'll meet you up there. That's a blessing. Verse 14, For they say, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. You need to live a life like you're on a journey to heaven. Stop living life like, you're, like all your life is wrapped up in this world. Amen. You live this life like everything, everything. Oh, what's Trump doing today? And I mean, I, I just, you know what? There's times I just want to read news. You remember when you just got like news, news? And I, I, but every time I turn on the news sites that I have on the Internet, because I won't turn on the TV hardly, I'll say I want to read what's going on in the news. It's Trump did this, the Congress did that, Senate did this, Congress did that, and uh, the Democrats are not doing this, or the Democrats are doing this, and it's just, uh, just, just give me some news. 
Just give me some. I, I don't. And I get wrapped up in that, and I'm like, I need to stop and say, look, I'm not, this ain't my world. I'm on a journey to heaven. What am I worried about what they're doing? I, I, I don't care about none of that. Look at verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. He's making, a good, he's making a good point there. Paul's saying if Abraham and Sarah got to thinking about where they'd come from, or daddy's back at daddy's house, and I remember how mom used to cook some really good uh, cornbread, and man, there's some, I mean, I know some good food, and I remember that old uh, river I used to fish out of, and I remember how wonderful it was, and I remember my, my bed back. They could have turned around, and they could have went back to where they had came from. But that's not what they had their mind on. They had their mind on this journey to a heavenly city. And Christian, you need to keep your mind off of the world and be mindful. Stop minding the things of the world and worrying about what's going on with the world. Put that stuff behind you. That's in the past. You don't, you don't belong to the world anymore. You belong to God and you've got a heavenly city waiting for you. Because you don't want to give yourself an opportunity to have returned. So many Christians get into that. They get saved. God brings them a little bit out of the world and then they get drugged back into the world. And they're still saved, but they're like the prodigal son, just living in the world, slopping hogs. And God has so much more for them if they'll just come out of that. Verse 16. But now they desire a better country. <laughs> a better country. That is a heavenly, a heavenly country. We don't desire this world. We don't desire this America. We don't desire anything this world can give us. We desire a heavenly country. It's a better country. Why is it better, Brother Keegan? Well, it's better because God's there. It's better because it's heavenly. It's better because it is heaven. It's better because there's no taxes. There's no death. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no repossession of your house. There's no cars breaking down. It's heaven. It's perfect. It's heavenly. It's God made. Man's not a part of it. That's why I want to be there. Amen. That's why it's better. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, this is why it's so much better. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Amen. Oh, <laughs> God's not ashamed to be called their God. Yeah, that's kigging. I know, he's, I know he's messing up right now, but I'm his God and I'll take care of it. God's not ashamed of that. That's your God. No matter how stupid you act, no matter the things you do, God still says, I'm not ashamed of them. Come here. They belong to me. Wonderful. If you haven't been on Make Up Here on Wednesday nights, we did a New Testament survey of the word ashamed last Wednesday night. And it, it was good. And this is one of the verses. That God's not ashamed. God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. We are, we are on a journey to a city that's prepared by God. Amen. This isn't a city of uh, the hidden city of Atlantis or some city that the, the world always has. These, if you could just get to this utopia or this paradise or if I could just get over there and live over in Hawaii or wherever. People got all these strange ideas. This is nothing like this. This is a city prepared by God, the creator of the universe. And we're looking for this city. And it's a city prepared by God. 
You know what I love about this city that's prepared for God and that God is not ashamed is that I'm wanted there. You know, I'm not wanted in a lot of places. <laughs> I know that as a preacher. I know that as a preacher. You know, the worst thing, if somebody was throwing a big beer bash, I'm not wanted there. Because I'd be just like water on fire. I mean, just dash, they, they, you know, y'all leave. Tell the preacher to leave. You know, just get, I don't want, you know, and I know I'm not wanted at houses. Because it's like, when was a preacher going to leave so I can pull back out my beer and I can start cussing and turn back on the TV and, I, you know what, guys? I'm just like you. But listen, God wants you there. God wants you to be there. Amen. Jesus didn't say, hey, it's already been made. Jesus said, I'm preparing it for you. This, this place, I'm preparing for you. It's prepared for you. You understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning. God didn't say, hey, this has been left over. I was going to give it to some angels, but y'all can go ahead and go live in there. God says, no. You're, you're special to me. I love you, and I'm going to prepare you a really good place. Amen. That's the journey you're on. You're not on a journey through this world. You're on a journey as pilgrims trying to get to heaven, this heavenly city. And it has a, it's a city prepared by God. Amen. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. I need to hurry up. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. Yeah. You know, America is a pretty great country. And I think, I still believe that America is the best country in the world. I really believe that. I mean, I, other than Israel, I'd like to live in Israel, but that's because God's part of that. But if America is the, the greatest country on earth, there's nothing compared to what God has waiting for us in heaven. It's nothing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. For ye are not coming to this mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor into a blackness and darkness and tempest. What, what he's talking about here is Mount Sinai. When God gave the Ten Commandments, read that. Through your Bible reading this year, read through Genesis, read through Exodus, read through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Read through these, you'll see where God shows up on this mountain. And it wasn't a good thing. He shows up in darkness and fire and a cloud and fear and trembling and people were afraid. And look at, look at verse uh, 19. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. The people there at Mount Sinai, Israel, when they heard God speaking that voice, they said, we don't want him speaking to us anymore. Uh, we, we can't take it. Verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much as a beast... Touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. Look at verse 21. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That's not what you're on a journey to. Israel was on a journey to this mountain where the law was going to be given. And when they got there, it was a fearful and dreadful and dark and God given a commandment. It was the law, which is a curse. And man, they were getting it and they were afraid. And even Moses says, I fear and I quake and I tremble. I'm afraid. And you should be. It's God. But that's not what you're journeying to. Praise the Lord. Look back up at verse 18. For you are not come unto this mount that might be touched. In other words, you, this mountain could be touched. That's not where you're going. Now skip to verse 22. 
but you're not, you're not coming to a mount that might be touched, but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and unto an innumerable company of angels. You're not stepping up to some mountain or some earthly city that can be touched and man can get a hold of, that God's dreadful and horrible. You're coming to a city that has love and grace and mercy and it's God shining forth in all His glory. Light. It's grace. It's the opposite of the law. And that's that's a contrast He's given you. When you read about the law and you read about Moses and how horrible it is, you get the total opposite of that. You had a mountain that was dark and dreadful and fire and fear. And you're coming to a city that's love and grace, beaming with mercy, beaming with glory, beaming with smiles, beaming with joy, beaming with rejoicing and singing and praising God. That's the city we can hear and we can hear If you listen close, Christian, it's just right over the hill. You can't see it, but you can just hear it. It's just right over the hill. And you you just, oh, you hear about these near-death experiences where people take their last breath and they're floating above their bodies and then they call it to a light and they talk about how beautiful it was and the light was so wonderful and the warmth and the love. And then God says, it's not your time. They send them back. They get a little taste of it. Paul got a little taste of it in Corinthians. He said, I was called, they, the, it was called out in the third heaven. He said, I can't even tell you what I saw. That's what we're waiting on. And this journey to the city, now notice, what makes this journey so amazing is this journey has, in this, to this city, and this city has amazing citizens. Amen. It's got amazing citizens living there. Look at verse 22 again. But you're coming to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. One of the citizens of this city is God, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's God. That's what makes the city so wonderful. You know, I, I, go, I went down to Pensacola, Florida for school, for, my, uh, for, uh, the, for Bible Institute, and I was down there, and a lot of these people talked about Texas. Like, well, I always hear about how good Texas is, and I got down there, and there's trees that weren't any taller than 10 feet tall, and it looked like the desert, and they, wah, 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 about Texas and how ugly it was. And I would tell them right to their face, I said, what makes Texas, Texas isn't the land, it's the people. Amen. It's the people. It's how they treat each other. It's the respect they show each other. It's the love they show each other. They help each other out. It's not the land, it's the people. This heavenly city makes it heaven because it's the people in it. It's God is there. He's a citizen. Look at this. The heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels. You're going to have angels as your neighbors. The citizen of God. It's got the citizenship of angels. Keep on reading with me. Verse 23. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. The believers up there. The church is up there. All your loved ones that you grew up with in church that are saved, they're going to be up there. Man, this has this got an amazing citizenship. You've got God. You've got angels. You've got the church, which are written in heaven. Verse 23. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Verse 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, 
and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. You've got Jesus Christ up there. You've got God. You've got angels. You've got the church. You've got Jesus Christ up there. And you've got His blood. Now look, into verse 24. That speaketh better things than that of Abel. You go back to Genesis. Abel was murdered by his brother Cain. God says, I hear Abel's blood crying out to me. What have you done? Abel's blood was crying out, I've been murdered, vengeance, revenge me. I've been murdered, vengeance. His blood was crying out to God. We've got blood that's better than that. Amen. Look, look, look. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel, our Savior's blood cries out, forgive him. Forgive them. Forgive them. Jesus Christ is so wonderful to die on the cross and shed his precious blood that that blood was sprinkled down and it come down and there's old Keegan, the rotten, dirty sinner sitting in the corner and as soon as that blood touches me, God says, I'll forgive him. I'll forgive him. Because Jesus Christ said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's God's blood. That's better blood. Amen. You're going to a city with a guy that that's going to be your neighbor. Amen. You're going to a city that that's one of your neighbors, Jesus Christ. Now, me and Brother Roll, we got pretty good neighbors. At least I think he's a good neighbor. He might not think I'm a good neighbor, but... We got pretty good neighbors, and it's good to live with good neighbors, but there's nothing, wor nothing worse than to live with bad neighbors. You don't have to worry about this up in this city. You got great citizenship. Let me show you one more, and we'll close. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. One more, and we'll close. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. And just real quick in closing. Man, I, we're on a journey, and we got, we're on a journey to a heavenly city by faith. That city's uh, made by God. It's got great citizenship. But look at verse 12. Hebrews 13, 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Our Savior was crucified outside of Jerusalem. And Paul's saying, I know you love Jerusalem. And I, this, this, this Hebrews is written mainly to Jews. He says, I know you love Jerusalem. I know you're a Jew, but you need to come out of Jerusalem. You need to go to your Savior that's outside the camp. Amen. That, was, that was a curse. Jesus took a curse going out the gates and dying for your sins. He said, you, and that's a reproach. He said, you need to come out there and be a reproach with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 13, let us go forth therefore into him without the camp, bearing his reproach. But look at verse 14. For here, right here guys, for here, where you're living, on this earth, for here, we have, here have we no continually, continuing city. You really don't have a citizenship here on this earth. Amen. But we seek one to come. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I know, we think, I know some of us are proud to be Americans and some of us are proud to, to live in the area that we live in. I'm proud to be a Texan. I, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit it. But my true citizenship, I'm not an American. I'm not a Texan. 
I'm a Christian. And I make my decisions according to my country and my city, which is heaven. So I'm going to follow their rules. Now, as I sojourn through Texas and America, I'll follow their rules as long as it goes along with my, my country's rules. But as soon as America or Texas or uh, whoever it is, the world, if one of their rules goes against my heavenly kingdom's rule, heaven, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, I'm going to ignore it. Because that's, that's the rule I follow. That's where I'm sit, my citizenship is. If I could pull out a spiritual card, it'd say, Kigan Hall, born again, age 17. He's got a residence in New Jerusalem. I'm on my way. I just hadn't gotten there yet. But we need to step out of our comfort zone. And if it's a good time at the first of the year, step out of our comfort zone and say, you know what? I'm going to step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to start living my life. Not that I'm living it for the world. I'm not living it because I'm up for what's going on in this politics and all that. Just shove it to the side. I'm living it for Jesus Christ, and I'm living it like heaven's waiting on me. And it is. All your loved ones are up there waiting on you. Why are you putting so much time into this world? Heaven's up there. You know the old songs, you can't take it with you, and you're not. Paul said, for it, but it is, it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Praise the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for heaven. Thank You for the city of New Jerusalem, Lord. And Father, I know it's so hard as men to really wrap our minds around something so wonderful and so amazing, Father. But we know if Your fingerprint's on it, it's got to be amazing. And Father, we thank You for Your amazing grace in our lives, Lord God. Thank You for Jesus Christ and that precious blood that speaks better things of forgiveness and mercy and grace. And doesn't speak vengeance. And Father, I just thank you that you're sitting on a throne of grace. And not a condemnation, Lord, as we approach you, Father. And Lord, give us, give us some vision this year. Some things we could do for you, Lord, that maybe we've never even thought of, Lord. And Lord, just fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might see these things. And your fruit might come out. Not our fruit. None of the fruit of the flesh, Lord. But it will be your fruit of the Spirit. Father, give us some vision. Anybody in this church, Lord, that wants to do it just a little bit for you, Lord, help them. Father, fill them with your spirit. And Father, we love you. We're doing these things not for salvation, Lord. We're not doing these things to earn anything, Lord. We're doing these things because we love you. And we want to show you how grateful we are for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Father, I ask a special blessing on everybody that's here this morning. And if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we'll give them an invitation. I pray they'll come on down here, get saved, and they can start that journey. That journey on to heaven. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but 
verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.